This week's Cloudcast is brought to you by Momentum SI. Whether you want to migrate applications to the cloud, transform to enable DevOps, gain insight from big data, or accelerate your agile development, Momentum SI's strategy, consulting, and hands-on expertise can help you get there faster and with greater success. Check them out at MomentumSI.com. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to another episode of the Cloudcast here live from Atlanta at the OpenStack Summit. Um, this is one of many that we're doing this week, uh, some of which I'll be co-hosting, some of which Aaron will be doing. Uh, today we're joined co-host with a uh, longtime friend of the show, Amy Lewis. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Open Daylight and how it fits into OpenStack. And uh, so with us today we've got uh, Neela Jocks, uh, Executive Director of the Open Daylight Project, correct? That's right. So thanks for being on the show. Um, so I think the first question, so you've been doing this for, I don't know, what? A little more six months. A little more six months. So, first question. So, your background is Microsoft and Bain and VMware. How in the world did somebody who you'd say has is not a networking guy and not an open? How in the world do you get that job? Because forget about what else we talk about. People want to know how you get a job when it doesn't seem like you're at all qualified to do this job. Thank you. You're the first person who actually called me out. On that. Um, you're absolutely right. On paper, I am absolutely not qualified to do my job. Um, so thanks very much. Now I'm going to go home. <laughs> no, no. I just net, networking is a small world. It's uh, you know, it's we always used to joke. It was like you, you worked at Cisco and then you worked at Juniper and then you yeah. worked at you know wherever. And that's not in your background. So how did how did you get even attracted to this yeah, space? Um, do you know? So it's funny. That's half of the. There are kind of two questions that people would ask or should ask. One of them, people ask it in, usually in a uh, nicer way, but yeah. usually say, you know, so what What was it, you know, why do they pick you? What is it that, uh, why do they pick someone not from XYZ company like right. you just said? Um, the other question that people say is, look, you had a, this great career going at VMware, uh, stable, probably making a decent amount of money. Why would you ever leave that to go run an open source project? That seems like a, a huge career risk. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the quick truth, and I'll, I mean, I'll get to your question, but we both took a chance on each other other and thus far it's working out really really well on both sides i certainly have no regrets and from what i hear the board's pretty happy um so why why do they do they pick me i think one of the the big question that's going on in networking is we know that sdn is disruptive we know the industry is is changing. If you look at what Open Daylight is, it's something that's never been done before. And so my guess is one of the first things that they were looking for and one thing that attracted them in me is they're not looking for someone who sort of thinks of the industry the way it's always been, the technology. They have tons of people who really, really know networking yep. um, in Open Daylight, in the project. Um, I think what they were looking for is, can somebody think differently? Can someone bring a whole bunch of competitors to, uh, together? The skill set that you're looking for, that you're looking for in a good uh, executive director, I think, is you know a little bit part of having a vision, but a lot of being able to get the community to express and lead themselves in a way. And so, someone who's too hands-on 
is going to is going to come in and frankly piss off everybody. And so you know, but back to your point, if I went in and tried to tell everybody what to do, I'd be out the door within you know a few weeks. Okay. So being an outsider is almost an advantage, at least right. from a starting point perspective. But on the other hand, if you sort of you've got all these big brains and you're herding cats, and so if you simply allowed them to just manage themselves, and I mean, I actually heard this as comparison to a few other folks. You know, I heard the don't be an ED like that guy or like that guy. Nobody wants an ivory tower who's who's off just doing press releases and isn't connected. And so in my end, I think what did qualify me for this is I was at VMware in the early, early days. I joined VMware, frankly, because I saw something that was interesting to me intellectually, which was, I love IT. I've loved IT since I was a kid. I was tinkering with IT for a long time. And I heard about this idea of a VM. And I thought, wow, if you could deliver a virtual server, that's going to make it much easier to deliver a server and make infrastructure cheaper, and you're going to be able to do a lot more. And unfortunately, I was half right, which is, yeah, VMs changed the world, but not quite as much as I was hoping, because I found that compute was only one piece of the equation. And it was around that time at VMware that I was one of the key thought leaders to say, we need to stop being a virtualization company. Being a cloud company isn't enough. We need to describe what we need to do and what we do differently, and that's a software-defined data center. So as part of a small team who helped coin that, um, and so from the other side, from my end, what I looked at was, how do we make the SDGC real? Networking is most holding it back. And so I came to this going, this is really neat because I see a problem. You've got all these competitors reinventing the wheel. You've got a disruptive technology. How's it going to happen in a way, in a way that's not proprietary to one company? These guys are trying to do it. Yep. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, I think that's good insight. It's a lot of people wonder what went into you being named. You know, how does how does the board get put together? You know, what's the what goes on behind the scenes? Because as we all know, as much as you love the technology, there's a lot of dollars at stake here for either the incumbents or the the, the innovators or whatever. And so they kind of want to understand some of the thinking behind this. That was that was fantastic. Um, so. If you're not a network-centric person, so let's say listening, so we've got a lot of folks who listen who tend to be automation people and so forth, What what is just the basic, what is open daylight? What's the project doing? Sure. What's the, the idea behind the technology? Sure. Open daylight is, at its heart in a sense, a core piece of a software-defined network. Um, what we have is, in, in, we're in the industry right now, what we're seeing is that everybody agrees on one core principle, which is intellig some, intelligence to some degree has to be centralized. And there's been all this discussion about the separation of the data plane from the control plane. And for the most part, everybody agrees that some level of centralization, some level of intelligence away from the underlying hardware is good. What everybody disagrees with is to what extent and how exactly do you do it? Do you do it via an overlay or not? How much intelligence stays in the underlay? Uh, Mike Dworkin at uh, Noro Cisco. Noro's Noro is a business unit at Cisco. Yep. Um, he talks about the imperative versus the declarative model, and as part of that, he's articulating a view that it's not about now having these controllers that tell the hardware everything to do with every single flow. It's actually about being able to capture the application policy and pass that down. You've got other folks, like my former colleagues at VMware, who say, you know, no, actually, we think we can do everything in an overlay. The, the future of the world is fully abstract. It's fully abstracting all network, and over and over time, the hardware is going to matter. Is going to matter less. It's not that it goes away, but kind of like a server, we want to commoditize the underlying hardware. They'll say a, a, a version, a version of that. Um, 
And so the question from an end user perspective is you've got these really bright people out there and they're talking about these different views of how SDN is going to happen. And unfortunately, while everybody agrees SDN is going to happen, uh, people in a sense are stuck because they don't want to make a bet on a horse in a 15 horse race. Right. And right now they're being asked to and you can't buy everything from Cisco and you can't buy everything from VMware and you can't buy anything, everything from Juniper or Ericsson or anybody else in the space. And so what end users want is the ability to pick the best elements from the different companies. Um, but be able to not get stuck and not make sort of a big uh, locked-in strategic decision. What Open Daylight is about is taking technology and people from all these different companies, building a core base that either can be consumed directly by an end user, either directly or via a, uh, a distro, or that gets OEM'd within a within a solution, within a vendor, so a fully vendor-supported solution, which you'll purchase. And what that means is you can get the vendor support that you're looking for, but at the same time, the core technology in there is common across many different folks, and you get the interoperability gains as everybody's testing against that core technology. So how do you, how do you play uh, the question when you're asked about being a standards body versus, you know, a different approach? A what foundation it, versus a standards yeah. body. Sure. Um, I think in many ways we're the evolution of where standards bodies are the problems that they were solving in the past. Where, you know, 15 years ago, if what you made were boxes, the big question is, could my boxes talk to each other? Right, I've got a box from vendor A and vendor B. How do I make sure that my network's actually going to work and packets flow through? And so what really needed to be standardized was the way hardware talked to each other. If we think even later with something like Bluetooth, it's will my Bluetooth device work with my phone regardless of which phone that I have? So it's about the communication between two pieces of hardware. We're moving away from a hardware-centric world to a world now which is much more around the orchestration of services. And so it's not just how things talk to each other, it's inherently how are objects defined, how are services defined. And so standards don't really work well when you're describing complex systems. They work relatively well when you've got tractable problems. And I mean, you see this in the IETF, there's only so much that you can argue via PowerPoint. Yep. Um, yep. And so I think standards are necessary. They're going to keep being around. But more and more, the kind of interoperability needs that we have, we need to define a lot more than simply communication. We need to have arguments that go beyond the PowerPoint. And sometimes we don't actually know what we want to build until we start building it. Yep. And so I think open source is becoming the new place in which competitors, in which technologies evolve, in which we can ensure standardization. But the key question, this is the big difference. It used to be open source was an alternative to vendor-supported software. Customers are clear. They want vendor-supported and they want the benefits of open source. So the new model we're building here, maybe for the first time in the industry, is open source core, vendor-supported solution outside. Gotcha. And do you see that as a, a community driver, as a way for people to turn their badge around and really, like you said, bring the best and, and brightest, sort of open up the, the community of ideas? I do. I mean, I think that already if you look at Silicon Valley, so Silicon Valley is fundamentally different than almost any other place in the world, in which you, what, part of what makes Silicon Valley so great is that people move from company to company to company. I mean, in networking, we were talking about this just before the podcast, you can't find a person in networking who didn't work for Cisco. I may be the only, <laughs> the only <laughs> yeah. person in the world that, uh, that way. And so we've already, we've already had sort of this cross-pollination. I think that open source does exactly allow that, allow people to say, look, I, I know I'm getting paid, I know we have to make money eventually, but right now let's just get in a room and solve a, solve a problem together. Yeah. So uh, we're at the OpenStack Summit. One of the things the OpenStack guys have done really well is um, they've set up, you know, you can go to DevStack or RefStack and go 
get a get an instance and go play right. with it. So you don't have to say, I have to buy a bunch of hardware, I can just start learning this and playing mm-hmm. with it. They've got a really great continuous integration testing model. So right. you know, you talked about interoperability and so forth. What are you guys doing for the customer who goes, I don't know how much of the, I, I, I want to follow it. I think it's going in the right direction. Like you said, I don't know if I want to make one big bet. One, mm-hmm. Are there things in place, online things in place, people can learn open daylight, play with it? What, what are you guys doing in that space? Sure. Um, you're absolutely right. In fact, one of the big use cases of open daylight is how do you do the POC when you're not right, ready to write a check in the end? Yep. Because I was just talking to a sales rep downstairs, and he was talking about, you know, in his POCs, he's uh, his SE manager says, okay, you're going to support the POC, but if we prove the concept, you're buying my software. Right. Right. And that's a challenge if the, the, what you're trying to answer as a company isn't, will I buy this product? It's long-term are overlays for me. Or OpenFlow. Are we going to use OpenFlow? Um, the, the proving the concept doesn't necessarily mean you're going to write a million dollar check to somebody. And so lots of people are using, want to use Open Daylight to better understand, to create their networking strategy and so on and so forth. Um, a few things that we're doing. The first one is absolutely we're packaging uh, the code. We recognize that a lot of people can't just pull the code itself. Right. Um, and so we're packaging we're packaging the code our, ourselves in, in a range of different bundles that you can that you can pick up. In fact, I just heard of one. I don't know uh, too much about it, but there's uh, the Apache Craft project, and so there are folks that are actually packaging Open Daylight using uh, Apache Craft. Um, so that's really neat. I know there have been efforts to also uh, put it in Docker containers for people to pick up. There are there are obviously VMs that exist already where you can pick up the VM. Obviously you can compile the code yourself. The other thing that's actually coming out at the end of this month is uh, we're launching something called Oddlug, the Open Daylight User Group. It's a little different from your typical user group. It's 20 to 30 of some of the smartest network architects in the world. Um, They're selected based on application, and you can only participate in this if you're one of the guys who's actually working with networks. If you're his boss, if you've got a team who's looking at it, great, we'll have other forums for you. Right now, you don't get to be in this. And so closed forum, conversation, uh, it's a phone call once a month for an hour, um, and they'll be talking about, here are the things that we're being asked to prove. Here's how we're, prov- here's how we're proving them. Talking about things like, when do I use Mininet versus actually using real hardware, uh, for example. And you know, there's some cases Mininet will save you a ton of time. There are other cases you find that, you know what, say something like OpenFlow 1.3 implementations are actually different across different hardware, and it's hard to simulate that with Mininet. So, well, a question about um, people who might want to get involved in the user group. So you said it was, you had to be... You have to be a network architect who actually touches real networks. So it's not that you have to be a contributor necessarily or part no, of the Open Daily group. You don't have group. to be a member. We're, in gen- we're a fully open community. You can participate in all ways without ever writing us a check in any form. And did you say you had to be nominated or how? It's an application. Okay. It's a small application. But basically, again, we're looking for people who are really touching this stuff, not their executives, not their managers, not vendors. These are, these are true end users at a service provider, a large carrier, or just an enterprise. No, I, I think that's smart. I, it, it'll be interesting to see where, where it goes if you'll allow people to do offshoots because I mean, one of the big things that we hear from from network people more so than like sysadmins is is they tend to look at SDN and aspects of SDN as like it's it's programming and in their world they've never been programmers That's they've right. written scripts they've CLI jockeys and so yeah the idea that you're going to drive this around users and not make it well you if you contributed code if you fixed bugs yeah. which most guys would go uh, guys and girls would go uh, not me right. this is kind of cool it'll be interesting if you find six months from now 
the top 10 of those people, you can go, and you know what, if you want to sort of spread the word, we're now sort of uh, deputizing you to go become yeah. the next 30 or whatever. I, I think you're right. I see a lot of needs, and I, you know, you asked about sort of what you wanted an executive director to be, and one of them is the ability to, to pick a few things that you really care about and make sure that they happen. Yep. There are a lot of organizations that have, I would call it notional customer advisory boards. Right, you, you go through a lot of the motions, you show their executives. In my case, what I believe a lot in is the people who are feeling the pain and the people who are writing the code to solve the pain. I've always believed, you know, even in a regular proprietary software company, those are the most important folks and try and get them as close to each other as possible. So rather than get a bunch of senior executives to come in and have their picture and look really good, I want to get the guys who have a problem. And share their info. And I do expect that if I give them a forum, at times I'm going to ask them, can I bring some developers so you can share with them your learnings and they can learn from you? Do you have questions? So can we support as you're trying to figure out? I mean, some of these guys are programmers. Most of them aren't, but a lot of the big banks. Many big banks have more programmers than your average uh, bar out there. Right, right. Um, And many smaller vendors out there. Um, so that's what we're doing. We have meetups going on, and I've already, you know, somebody said to me, "We're trying to build a big meetup up in Canada. Would you, would you fly in and uh, help kick it off for us and talk about Open Daylight and your vision for it?" And my, I went back and said, "I might do it, but I want to bring an actual developer with me." Yeah, that's good. So, uh, like I said, we're at OpenStack Summit. Where, where, where does Open Daylight and OpenStack? Where's the connection points? Because sure, sometimes it seems like there's a lot, and sometimes it seems like there's overlap. Like if somebody came to you and said, "Hey," I'm an OpenStack guy. I'm into open, and I want to do software-defined network. Where do you guys connect? Where's the starting point? Sure. Um, here's the simplistic way of explaining it, right? If you think about OpenStack, OpenStack is primarily a framework for managing a cloud environment. Um, in managing a cloud environment, at the end, how do you execute on what you know you need to do? I'll take a very simple case here. I'm building a new organization. So I've got a new project, and I've got to create a new org. And I'm going to spin up a whole bunch of infrastructure to support this org or project. But one of the questions is, what do I need to do with the network? And in creating this org, you know, in the old way, I'd spin up all of these VLANs, and I'd test all of these VLANs, and I'd make them available, and I'd put the VMs on the VLANs, Then I have to think about moving it as I go across the data center. That's not the model that we're in right now. What I want to do is create a logical org, and then have the network on the back end adjust to do it. And let's talk about the operational details of that. I've got a bunch of flows that are going down one pipe. Let's say that org happens to use the Detroit data center a lot. Um, how do I make sure now I've got all this extra traffic that's going to go? I, I may want to reprogram my network and change where everything goes. So if I'm in an open open flow world, I want to create the I want to create a set of code that's going to go in and say, all right. I'm going to change the the general direction. I may know more in the future. We're going into a place in which. I, I'm starting up a project, and that project is really, really important and strategic, and I want to mark information on a flow-by-flow basis. And to say, within my network, if you see this guy's flow, this is our tra- uh, special trading application, and we don't want any latency on this. Wherever it is in the network, it is always a, pr- a first-priority citizen. So regardless of what you think about, um, and by the way, you could do the flip side. I'm leasing a piece of my network to somebody on the carrier side. Um, their cut rate never <laughs> put theirs first yeah. above a certain QoS because we've agreed to it, right? And so where does Open Daylight say? It is the, execu- the network execution arm okay. of OpenStack, but still in an SDN world where in the you can use OpenStack directly against just hardware out there. Right. If you want an actual control, if you want network intelligence, 
um, think of it as your VP of networking. Okay. So so all those times when I need to spin up compute and storage and whatever else, and you right. get to that point where I've got to network those things together. That's right. Uh, whether that's through uh, Neutron or through right. Nova or something, go down, talk to ODL. It's going to be through of. Neutron. And, you know, an interesting thing, if uh, I'm glad you're here because uh, we've got a key person, Kyle Mestry, who is a Cisco employee. Yep. He works with Noir, uh, Noiro or Noiro. Um, he was a huge friend of Open Daylight and a contributor to Open Daylight, big contributor to, op- to OpenStack, and he was just named the project team lead, uh, project Neutron. technical lead, sorry, the PTL. Uh, for Neutron. Now, already in Hong Kong, Open Daylight, uh, Mark McLean, who was the previous PTL in Neutron, said that Open Daylight was going to be the controller of record for testing. When you're testing against Neutron, if you want to know uh, if you want a controller and SDN control on the back end, it's going to be Open Daylight. And what you see with um, with someone like Kyle and in general with the Neuro groups is that you're getting folks investing on both sides of it. Uh, group policy is another one. There's a group policy project in OpenStack. There's a group policy plugin project in Open Daylight. And so you're seeing tremendous uh, dovetailing of the two projects. Gotcha. So, so you, and you've so got to sort of have that cross-breeding, cross-functionalness so they know what's going on between them. That's right. And I would, I would assume synergy in the industry, like you're saying, if it pops up someplace, then you assume there are enough people with some problem that needs to be solved that ends up in the other place as well. And, you know, in terms of players, you look at uh, HP today announced that they're upgrading their membership. They're doubling down on Open Daylight and going to Platinum. Yep. Million-dollar commitment, 10 FTEs for two years. I mean, major commitment from HP. Well, they're a huge player in OpenStack, well, as well as networking, but they're a huge player in OpenStack, and now they're becoming a big player in Open Daylight. If I look at Red Hat, Red Hat obviously has an OpenStack. They're investing a lot in Open Daylight. They're, they're a Platinum member. They have a board seat. They sit on the TSC. Um, so you're seeing across multiple organizations people saying, I view these two things as, as inherently connected. Yep. They don't have to, but often they, they will be. Right. Well, and I think we're seeing across the board more and more vendors. I mean, you would look at a Red Hat three years ago and say, there's no way they would compete with a bigger broad stack like HP and OpenStack plus all the other open source pieces sort of make that possible. That's right. um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I think we're seeing I mean, Cisco, HP, Red Hat, you know, VMware. I mean, there's a bunch of people that are trying to build the entire thing. A lot of it's software-based. Or it's That's right. Software-driven. So, Well, listen, uh, this has been very good. Uh, any more questions? Any more big topics you want to dig into? Um, I'm good. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm would love to, hopefully we can put in the show notes some more about how people can get involved. That's always my, my angle in. Yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, no, so folks would love to learn about the, uh, is it the OD, oh, the o- user group. Yes. Oddlog. Oddlog. So we'll get all that in there. Um, so I assume, um, Open It's Daylight. actually very easy. It's send an email to oddlog at opendaylight.org. Okay. And we'll get that in the show notes. <laughs> um, yeah. if folks want to reach out to you for, you know, an event where they want to get involved. What's the best way to either find out about ODL, get in touch sure. with you? Probably the easiest way to get in touch with me is actually Twitter, okay. believe it or not. <laughs> at Nila Jacques um, reaches me, and I'm pretty responsive uh, on that. Good. Um, but across other things, you know, I have a team that supports me, and so shooting me a note or reaching out to, depending if it's press or events or yep. otherwise. Okay, excellent. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, folks, this will be one of many from the OpenStack Summit. Uh, you'll get a lot of different co-hosts this week. So um, thank you. Apologize for some of the background noises. We'll try and hopefully get those out, hopefully not too uh, too embarrassing. But um, thank you for the time today. This is very insightful. And uh, uh, go follow them. Go check out the Open Daylight Projects. Go get involved with the 
uh, our vlog uh, activities as well. And uh, thanks, Amy, for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody. That's good. We are done. Thank you very much. I'm having one of those days where I feel like I've got a cat in my head.